0: With the first pick in the 2011 NFL Draft, the Carolina Panthers select.
1: This is The Pick Is In. I'm Steven Patton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jacob Laquire. Can you believe we are 12 years removed since the Carolina Panthers had the first overall pick in the draft?
0: I know, man. It's crazy. It's a new era. We've got a new owner that kind of have some split opinions on. We've got a new front office, new and improved coaching staff. I think we can agree there. Some new jerseys, which are also our old jerseys. Uh, we had a new practice facility that was there for a couple months. And there's even talks and rumors of a new stadium in the years to come. But hopefully with all this new, this new stuff, new team, we can make as good a pick as we did the last time we had the number one spot. We did
1: a bunch of uh, rebranding then. And I, Cam Newton is definitely a hard pick to follow up. But I think we might have our guy for years to come in this year's draft. Now, before we jump right in, this podcast series will shed insight on prospects, teams, and picks, along with a healthy mixture of analytics and film study. We'll kickstart the show with our similar but unique first-round mock drafts. I think it's a good time to get those out there uh, with the NFL draft starting this Thursday, don't you think? Absolutely.
0: We're recording this on a Monday, so uh, the draft is only three days away. And draft season is like Christmas for a lot of fans, including ourselves. feels like I've been uh, just counting down the days towards Thursday, just waiting. And luckily, we'll both be at Bank of America Stadium this year to watch the Panthers unveil the pick on the Jumbotron.
1: Thursday night should be an absolute blast. Uh, we both grew up around Charlotte, met almost seven years ago at college at uh, UNC Charlotte. Uh, Go Niners, uh, freshman year. So uh, we have a common love for football in the Carolina Panthers. Uh, That's led to us talking about football uh, countless number of times. And a lot of that has been centered around the draft, especially recently. Now, over the past two years, you've watched film and written reports on close to 400 prospects. What is one of your biggest takeaways when it comes to quarterback evaluation?
0: QB eval is a tricky one. I know this season, a lot of us Panthers fans have been uh, particularly engrossed in the quarterbacks, but you have to be careful. You kind of need to watch film, watch tape, watch YouTube cut-ups for yourself and kind of make your own opinion, form your own narratives about these QBs, as opposed to listening to some of the narratives that get pushed around. Listening to some of these media narratives is how a lot of people, including myself, miss on a lot of prospects, especially QBs. I can personally say listening to the media narrative surrounding Justin Herbert in the 2020 draft was my biggest draft mistake. And look, he's balling now. And back then, a lot of people were saying he can't do it at the next level. So when it comes to quarterbacks, yeah, Yeah. exactly. And when it comes to quarterbacks, you uh, got to take the narratives with a grain of salt and spend as much time as you can watching the film, and listening to the testimonies of people that have been around those QBs and that have played the positions themselves, such as the QB school on Twitter, uh, JTO Sullivan. Great resource for watching uh, QB's film, kind of seeing it broken down from an actual QB perspective. And listen to people like that or Josh McCown, our new QB coach, as opposed to uh, media members that kind of have to uh, put the stories out there for the intrigue.
1: Yeah, I think that's an excellent point overall. I think you hit the head on the nail with Justin Herbert. I wasn't necessarily a big fan of his either. Um, there were just, like you said, a lot of media narratives, and you weren't actually judging the player off what he was actually doing. And I think there's a couple of players in this year's draft, uh, Anthony Richardson being one, um, where, where there's some media narratives uh, that are being pushed that aren't reflective of the actual player. Now, bringing it back to the drafts and our mock drafts, Who do you think the Panthers brass select with the first overall pick? And does this line up with who you want them to draft?
0: Well, this being a predictive mock draft exercise, like you said, we're going to go, go through who we think the teams are going to pick. And in this case, it matches up with who I want them to take. I think all the signs are pointing to that pick being Alabama quarterback, Bryce young. And I think he's the best QB in the class right now. He's able to extend plays in a way that's just incredible with his pocket movement and vision particularly at his small size, which is uh, kind of the big hang-up for him. It's just incredible. He's got great poise. He has an arm that can make any throw. And he's just been a winner everywhere that he's been. And I think my favorite thing about Bryce is that he seems to be at his best when the stakes are the highest. Uh, The best example of that, I think, is last year's Iron Bowl, where he drove down the field with less than two minutes on the clock and uh, delivered the Heisman moment and got Alabama – into the SEC championship with that.
1: You're absolutely right. Young was able to rise to the occasion several times at the collegiate level. Expect that part of his game to translate. I think the biggest knock on a guy like him uh, honestly comes down to his size. Benjamin Solak, with the Ringer uh, has written and spoken extensively on how we don't see a lot of small quarterbacks at the professional level and even those that do make it, only a few actually amount to anything substantial. Regardless of which side you are on, he does need to put on another 10 or so pounds to play at a consistently high level. Uh, His S two score though, seems to be confirmation of what we see on film. Uh, Very good at reading the film uh, field, uh, finding the open guy. And I think this is who Tepper fitter and Reich decide to draft with the first overall pick.
0: I agree. And uh, now onto the second pick. And this is where we start to deviate a bit. Um, there's been a lot of smoke about the Texans pick at number two over the past couple weeks. You know, people were saying that they were enamored with only Bryce Young and they might trade out of the pick if uh, Bryce w- would happen to not be there. People are saying they might take uh, the best prospect in the draft that they think on, on their board may be Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson or Jalen Carter. But recently, uh, there's been a lot of smoke about them liking Will Levis out of Kentucky. And it seems that the odds makers in a lot of uh, sports books are reflecting that sentiment. So this being a predictive mock draft exercise, I have the Texans picking Will Levis at pick number two, which is, it's a little rich for me, but if Levis can can rise to the occasion and play like he did back in 2021, I think uh, there's something there. And maybe they can uh, extract that part out of him and turn him into a franchise QB. I mean, he's got the arm to make all the throws that you need. And if you look at his uh, social media, you'll see that he's almost a bodybuilder. So he'll be able to run around and through people uh, if he needs to. It's just uh, me personally, I think I would rather have C.J. Stroud there or maybe a Will Anderson Jr. or Jalen Carter, like I said before. But it's it's looking like Levis may end up being the pick there. I'm curious to see what you think is going to happen there. So
1: the Texans, just like the Panthers, you, you hire a new coaching staff, you bring in San Francisco's defensive coordinator, coordinator D'Amico Ryans. His offensive coordinator right now, Bobby Slowick, was the passing game coordinator for the 49ers last year under Shanahan. Uh, he was a PFF analyst uh, from 2014 to 2016, and he actually has a lot of background on the defensive side of the ball. So with this kind of uh mind and and background behind the offensive play design in Houston, I would think the direction would be, like you said, to go with a CJ Stroud, somebody who is like a Matt Ryan, a Jimmy G. Um, there were rumors that Shanahan wanted Mac Jones over Trey Lance, like somebody who can just execute. And that seems to be Stroud in this. So to take Levis, I I don't get it. And that's where I land on Will Anderson. I think he he would be the guy at two over – uh, Levis and D'Amico can build his defense around this blue chip pass rusher that, believe it or not, I mean came out of Alabama. D'Amico Ryan's played linebacker at Alabama. There's just there's a lot of connections there, and I think that matters sometimes throughout this process. And I Anderson would have been the first overall pick in last year's draft without a shadow of a doubt, and with the team's best pass rusher being Jerry Hughes, and an aging Jerry Hughes at that. I think Will Anderson at two makes just too much sense, uh, regardless of kind of where the betting markets are swinging.
0: Man, I agree with you. I just uh, reading the tea leaves and uh, I don't know, I I think it might be Levis, but we're moving on to pick three, which currently belongs to the Arizona Cardinals. I think this is where the draft can kind of get interesting. I think both of us can agree that uh, the Cardinals have a lot of holes on their roster. Uh, they might be one of the worst rosters in football at the moment. And so they could go a lot of different directions. They could go best player available, but I think, uh, I think teams might start to see a QB run happening and kind of get spooked and want to go grab their guy that they believe can be a franchise QB in this class. So I have Indianapolis moving up one spot to pick number three and probably giving up some day two and three draft capital and a future pick, uh, to kind of make that work, and I have them selecting who I believe is the second best quarterback in this class, C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. He's just a, an incredibly accurate passer. Uh, can play in rhythm, uh, perfect throwing motion. I believe, uh, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah on one of his podcast appearances said uh, his throwing motion is just like a gol- like a pro golfer swing. It's the same every time. It's consistent and tight, and he has great uh, ball placement. I know he uh, he was pretty insulated at Ohio State, had a really good uh, supporting cast, and that might take some time to adjust at the NFL level, but I think out of all the quarterbacks remaining, Stroud has the best chance of being a franchise QB, and we know that uh, Chris Ballard, their general manager, has kind of gone for the aging quarterback route. I think he knows that he's on his last leg here and kind of needs to get a QB. So I kind of I think this is where they're going to go. They're going to trade up and get their guy and kind of see how it goes from there.
1: So I agree this is the perfect time for a trade. I think it's exactly like how you call it. Indianapolis is going to trade up with Arizona They'll send a third this year, probably a fifth this year and a future third. Um, the reason why Arizona would take something like that is Indianapolis is trying to secure their quarterback, trying to get ahead of a Las Vegas or maybe another team trying to sneak into that pick number three to get their quarterback. So Indianapolis, they send those picks. The Cardinals have more darts to throw at the board. And I have them actually taking Will Levis, the guy that you have Houston taking. And and here's my background on this. A lot of these media narratives, the the betting market swings, they are indicating Will Levis at two, but if Houston's kind of propagating some of these uh, kind of narratives, maybe they're trying to increase the price for Indianapolis uh. because they know who their division rival wants to take. So I, from the beginning of the draft process or their owner has loved Will Levis. Um, I think it makes sense with Shane Steichen. Uh, he was Justin Herbert's uh, kind of offensive coordinator back in 2020 his rookie year, a guy with a big arm uh, somebody that you can kind of mold and build around in a system. Uh, Jalen Hurts wasn't the most polished guy, and Shane Steichen worked with him, and they got better as uh, the games progressed. So that's that's something I could see here in Indianapolis and probably where they'll go if Will Levis is still there.
0: I got gotcha. you. If, if anybody can uh, make a QB great, as we've seen over the past couple of years, it's Shane Steichen. I think he can really get the most out of him. So I can see that, uh, that Levis pick being uh, a solid pick there. And so on to pick four, where I believe we both have Indi- or Arizona at this point. Uh, I have the best player in the class falling to him here, and I think they're going to take him, and Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama. Anderson's just incredible. Um, he has elite traits in production. I think his uh, 2021 season, so two years ago, that might have been the best season of college football I've ever seen. He was just incredibly dis- I mean, I mean
1: he is a-, a, a... That monster, both uh, on, on the sheet and on the field. I mean, this guy racked up almost 35 sacks and almost
0: 60 tackles for losses in three years of college. I mean, that's the tackles for losses is the big one, in my opinion, because he, he was uh, a little bit smaller. He got a little bit bigger for the combine. I believe he was around 250 pounds, but the ability to get into the backfield, shoot gaps and blow up plays with tackles for loss, I think is incredibly translatable to the nfl level and i think that uh not only is anderson a guy with a pro bowl or maybe even all all pro all nfl potential but i think he's just a really safe player i think he what you see is what you're going to get with him uh, on tape i think he can come in day one and be a building block for a cardinals team that's kind of trying to rework their roster with a new head coach and a new general manager
1: So unfortunately I had the Texans who have a first year defensive head coach um, taking Will Anderson for all the above reasons you just said. So the Cardinals now under Austin Ford, who came from Tennessee uh, had familiarity with Mike Vrabel and just kind of uh, uh, you you play in the trenches kind of mindset with football and you, you hire Jonathan Gannon, who just came from Philadelphia with that, disgusting defensive line last year that led them to a super bowl appearance i think they go the the best edge prospect right now on the board in tyree wilson the guy's 6'6 he weighs about 275 I, th- there's no reason why he moves as fast as he does and one of my favorite things when watching him is how he tackles runners from behind like he times tripping these guys with grabbing their legs with without having to keep chasing them for another five, 10 yards down the field um he he just knows how to execute when you turn on the tape and i love watching that from him and i think he's going to be a phenomenal edge rusher for them for years to
0: come. i agree man he shouldn't be that fast at that size uh i'll I'll have him fitting in here in a second uh to another building d-line but here with uh seattle at pick five i think this is where the arguably the best pros best player this past year in college football and arguably the best uh prospect in the class and Jalen Carter ends up falling. Uh, I mean, he, he's just a guy you have to scheme. Or you don't. There's not a lot of uh, interior defensive linemen that you have to game plan around, and Carter is one of them. I mean, in a stacked Georgia defense the past couple years, he was the best player on the field. I mean, they had three defensive linemen go around one last year. You can argue that Carter's better than all of them. And there, there's been some off-field stuff that I don't really want to speak to. You know, I don't really know the situation there and i want to focus on the football stuff and man he's a great football player and i think that uh he can like fit into a seattle d line that needs a little bit of work and uh from day one he can be a game wrecker there for uh pete carroll
1: the value you're getting here at five and jalen carter is absolutely insane like you said he is he's a total game wrecker uh the complete package. Uh, he's everything you want in an interior defensive lineman. And I, I, I think the Seahawks, just knowing their background, Pete Carroll is very much like Mike Tomlin, where he's able to smooth over character issues and, and, and keep a locker room cohesive to where I don't think some of these off the field issues are going to be as big um, in that system, in that locker room. I will say this is a pick where it's like, OK, if Seattle wants their quarterback of the future, they go Anthony Richardson. But I'm here with you right now. I think Jalen Carter's the guy. They rebuild that defensive line and keep adding to that young nucleus that they have of a roster.
0: Uh, I agree. I think that's a really good value there at the fifth pick. And on to the sixth pick is another team who got an early pick from a trade that they executed last year in the Detroit Lions. And I have Tyree Wilson falling to him here. And I think he'll be an excellent match to line up uh, across from Aiden Hutchinson on one side to keep uh, building that defense, that kind of needs a little bit of work. I mean, they brought in uh, quite a few DBs in free agency this uh, this past offseason, trying to bolster the uh, the back end of the defense. And I think adding Tyree Wilson, who, like you said, is just a guy that moves faster than he should at his size uh, to line up on that defensive line will be a good uh, good player for him there. I think the best thing I like about Tyree Wilson is that he's kind of slow off the snap. Uh, Sometimes it takes him a second or two to engage offensive linemen, but even being slow and letting those uh, offensive linemen get into their pass sets, he still destroys them. I mean, he goes right through them even being a step behind. And if he's able to get that timing right, I mean, he could be even better than a guy like Will Anderson. And to have that beside Aiden Hutchinson on a a pretty young D line, I think would be a, a great pick for him.
1: I think that would be fantastic if Tyree Wilson ends up being there at pick six. Unfortunately, I have him going forward to the Cardinals. So I have the Lions going a different route. And what's interesting as the Seahawks and now the Lions picks now back to back, both were because of quarterback trades in the past two years. The Rams trade for Matthew Stafford. They send two firsts. They don't do too well this past year. They give the Lions the sixth overall pick. Russell Wilson gets shipped out to Denver and Seattle, Honest i can't talk right now uh all of a sudden has the fifth overall pick in this year's draft so it's allowed them to build the team in very unique ways uh, depending on the direction they want to and i think the lions get their franchise quarterback of the future you have jared goff who can operate in the offense that you have right now in a very effective level you have pick 19 later and the rest of the draft to address defensive line concerns Uh, The way they built the secondary in this past offseason was very reminiscent of how the Bengals have done it in the past years, where they're just adding guys. You bring in a C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you bring in a Cam Sutton, you you bring in guys that are quality vets um, that that complete what Eric Eager talks about as like a weak link system is like if you get a bunch of guys and you throw them out there rather than just counting on a Jalen Ramsey or this one lockdown dude, uh, your chances of doing better increases and so I think with that direction they go Anthony Richardson they get their guy for the future and then they work on the d-line the rest of the draft
0: man that would be that'd be quite the pick for him we know Richardson could be a guy that takes a little bit to uh to really uh, cash in and be the player he can be and they have a guy there that they can kind of start now in Jared Goff and like you said Richardson can kind of learn and develop I think that's a pretty good pick and now on to pick seven, which is the Las Vegas Raiders, almost said Oakland. Uh, I th- When I was kind of <laughs> writing the script for this, because uh, kind of need to write a script, I was looking at the Raiders and I thought, man, I can't name a single corner on that roster. And so I thought that this would be a good time to give them the best corner in the draft. And Devin Witherspoon from Illinois, the guy's just, he's kind of undersized. He's about 5'11", I think around 195. But, man, he plays like a linebacker. He lays receivers out, and he's just hard-hitting and physical. And he can come in day one and be a tone setter, be a dog for a Raiders defense, which is kind of falling behind in uh, in terms of spending. I know on, on offense they're spending a lot of money, so they don't have much on defense. So they need to build this defense in the draft. And I think uh, Devin Witherspoon's a great start to doing that.
1: I think Devin Witherspoon uh, gets drafted a few picks later uh, to a city. I think uh, that whole whole dog disposition that you were kind of alluding to fits in perfectly. But where I have the Raiders going, and I actually thought about having the Raiders trade up with the Cardinals to potentially get their guy. Um, but they find that C.J. Shroud falls to him at pick seven, having a similar fall on draft night to another Ohio State alum, and Justin Fields a few years back. So I think he falls to seven after being projected to be a top five pick over the past few months. And he goes to a place where he gets to sit behind Jimmy G for a year, learn kind of how the NFL operates and kind of adjust to pressure. Because I think that's one of the things he needs to learn to adjust to um, is, is how to deal with that. He's just not going to have Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones protecting um his left uh, and right side he's gonna have kind of guys that are probably at the average level especially when you look at the las vegas Rangers offensive line so taking that year allowing him to adjust i think is perfect this is a good fit um the raiders uh front office has been all over stroud throughout this process so i think that's the pick at seven
0: yeah i think that'd be a pretty good pick there and uh that keeps him out of the nfc south so i'm happy and now moving on to the another NFC South team in pick eight with Atlanta. I got to say, they've done a pretty good job uh, building their roster. You know, they brought in quite a few players on defense uh, during free agency. And I think, uh, I think this is the point in which we kind of look and say, normally, you can't take a running back this high. It's just uh, there's not a good surplus value there. But Bijan is different. Over the past couple uh, drafts, the Falcons have spent pretty high draft capital on offensive skill position players in Kyle Pitts and Drake London last year. I think adding Bijan would be pretty much perfect for them. I mean, they have a pretty like solid to strong O-line. They have good uh, receiving options. Their defense, like I said, they're building through free agency. And if they add Bijan, who, again, the odds makers have as the favorite to go to the eighth overall pick, I think he'd be perfect there. I mean, I would hate to play against him twice a year, but I think uh, him being there kind of uh, weakening the uh, the front end of the defense and letting Pitts and London kind of develop their routes more and uh, helping whatever quarterback they end up having this year or next year whenever they eventually get their franchise guy, I think it's uh, I think it's a really good fit so
1: I, I know you're a little bit high on the falcons offseason a lot of people are i think their offensive line is great i think they have weapons on offense i think they're a quarterback away on that front which is why a lot of people are frustrated frustrated that they didn't go after mm-hmm. lamar but when i look at the current starters on the defensive line we have calais campbell david Onyemata, bud dupree and grady Jarrett. all of those guys are 30 years or older like I, I get the rumor circulating the organization in regards to B. John Robinson, but I have them taking an edge rusher out of Georgia, and I think it's going to be Nolan Smith. I think they love what they see out of kind of the guy in their backyard, and they add much-needed youth and speed at that position, and those vets are able to kind of help build the rest of his game. Uh, I know he's a little undersized, needs to put on a little bit more weight, but something like that i think makes a lot more sense than trying to add a running back to already a crowded running back room with cordell patterson and tyler algier so i that's who i have at eight at nine who do you have chicago taking uh the team that traded with the panthers for the number one overall yeah so
0: with our pick uh that they got in the trade like you mentioned they got to protect justin fields i mean they spent a lot of money this offseason on their defense, like a lot of teams have. Uh, they brought in DJ Moore, which I, we're not going to talk a lot about because I think we're both still a bit salty <laughs> about that. But they got,
1: yeah, just, just a, little a little bit. bit. A little but bit. they got
0: to protect fields. I mean, he was under constant duress last season, so I have them going my best O line on my personal board, which is Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State. Uh, He's a guy that's physical. He can block uh, standing still or on the move, which I think is an underrated trait for uh, offensive linemen. And he's a guy that can uh, just take rusher's head on, or he's quick and strong enough to redirect him if a quick, like a Nolan Smith uh, is lining up across from him who gets the jump. I think uh, Paris Johnson will be perfect. He can slot in on that blind side and uh, protect fields for years to come
1: i have paris johnson heading the chicago as well uh at this point there are no elite defensive line prospects maybe you could argue uh devin witherspoon and christian gonzalez here Uh, but i think the priority needs to be like you said protect the quarterback and poles and eberflus uh this offseason when they said hey we're going to move back from one and we're going to go get a guy like DJ Moore. Well, it's like, don't stop building around that guy. Look at, look at a Jalen hurts last year. He had a great offensive line. He had great receivers. So start putting guys around Justin Fields um, so that he can, he can be the playmaker that he is. Uh, so that that's who I have at Chicago. Now, Philly's on the clock at ten. Uh, who, who's who's going to Philadelphia? For? I'm
0: taking the or I think Philly's going to go with the guy that you had going two picks earlier in Nolan Smith, the outside linebacker from Georgia. Like we said before, incredibly uh, athletic. I think he tore up the combine. Had one of the highest uh, RAS scores at the combine, I believe. Uh, super quick, has incredible bend. Like he's got he's got Brian Burns level for bend real. to get underneath those O linemen, and. Uh,
1: and he's going to be right next yeah, that, to Reddick. that's the I perfect mean, guy to run for to learn from.
0: That's, uh, I know a lot of analysts have that as their uh, comparison, is Hassan Reddick. And I think that uh, Nolan Smith will be perfect to, to learn with him and uh, rush beside him. I, th- I do agree. I think he needs to add just a little bit of size uh, before he gets to be a, like an every down player in the NFL. But uh, his production and his film, at that size uh, kind of alleviate any concerns that uh, you would have
1: so at 10 i'm going a different direction uh like you said nolan smith's already off my board and the guy i'm taking is already off your board uh, but after extending darius slay re-signing bradbury you see cj gardner johnson marcus epps depart in free agency Leaves you kind of wondering, how are they rebuilding the secondary? And I think it's perfect they bring in a Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois. And the reason why is exactly like you said, this this guy plays physical. He can immediately be a day one starter in the slot. And he's just going to bring an attitude that was very similar to C.J. Gardner-Johnson last year. And you want kind of those tone setters, especially at that second level. So I think it's a perfect fit at 10. I think that's where they go. And now we're heading to Tennessee for pick 11. Yeah, uh,
0: Witherspoon's a nasty. I think that'd be a good spot for him to go. But Tennessee at 11, I think, is the biggest wild card in the entire draft. They're another team that I think we can agree has a pretty uh, lackluster roster at the moment. Uh, And they're also another team that brought in a new general manager. And I think that that new general manager is going to want to make his mark early with the Titans. And so I have them taking the last of the top four QBs, I think consensus uh, top four QBs and Anthony Richardson from Florida. I mean, the guy's an incredible athlete. Uh, this was only his, this was his lone year as the starter and it was kind of rough at the beginning, but he got better every game. And towards the end of the year, the way he was able to move in the pocket and make throws, he looked like an NFL player. He has the arm to make any kind of throw. Uh, like I said before, incredible athlete. If you want to, see an example of that. Watch the LSU game where he has, I believe, an 82, 85-yard rushing touchdown. He's just running around, over, through defenders. Uh, just an incredible athlete. I believe his uh, RAS score was a 10.0. And uh, for anybody who doesn't know, RAS is a relative athletic score, I believe. And that was developed by... It was...
1: Kentley yes, Platt. Kentley Platt. Yeah, uh, You can find him at math bomb uh, on Twitter. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal content he puts out every year for the draft. Uh, he just beat Cam Newton's uh, overall score, which is is pretty crazy to put him in kind of the echelon of kind of that physical specimen where he's just that talented. And like you said, he sees the field really well. He knows how to kind of progress in the pocket, avoid sacks. He does a lot of things right. And there's a lot of reasons to love him. Um, Timo Risk, uh, I think this is how you pronounce his name. He works at PFF, has great content. Is uh, He really thinks the Panthers should go with Anthony Richardson. Why? Because, again, this guy has the highest ceiling oh, in this sure. draft. It is insane that if this guy figures it out at the next level, it's, it's really over. This guy is going to become that Josh Allen, that Patrick Mahomes, that superstar quarterback that elevates your roster. Um, so I, I get it. Uh, You having Tennessee take him here. uh, I don't think he makes it past Detroit at six. So I have him taking Peter Skoronsky, who I think is a true Mike Vrabel player. Uh, The offensive line is in shambles right now, and this is the first step in rebuilding it. I understand some people are projecting him as an interior O line. I think if you're drafting him as a guard, uh, this is a little too high, but I think he would plug in really well at the left or right tackle. He's just got a nonstop motor. He's he's the guy you want on your offensive line um with Tennessee rebuilding.
0: I can see that. I think that'd be a good uh a good pick there. And then maybe maybe uh Malik Willis can develop as their quarterback of the future. And so at twelve, Houston is picking again, and this is another pick that they got from a trade uh for the the trade that they conducted with Cleveland last offseason. So here at twelve, I'm gonna have them taking Another really highly graded player for me, which is Christian Gonzalez, the corner from Oregon. I think he's a steal here at 12. Uh, He's best player available, which is what the Texans should be doing as they rebuild. And like you said, he's getting paired with a first-year defensive head coach. I think that's going to work really well for him. He's a a physical athletic corner who only got better once he transferred from Colorado to Oregon this season. And uh, I think having a young corner tandem, with him and Derek Stingley Jr., who Texas took, I believe, at three last year, would be a good young uh, DB room that can terrorize AFC South uh, passing games once they figure it out.
1: I think Gonzalez is definitely an option here at 12. Uh, He's still on my board. He falls a little bit. Um, I think where the Texans go, because it goes back to my point about Jerry Hughes, that outside of that, you really don't have a pass rush presence. And when you look at San Francisco over the past uh, three to five years, that's what they've had. That's what opens a lot of the, the ways they're able to scheme different things and cover and play coverage. And I think D'Amico Ryans would love to be able to just rush four, drop seven. And so with that in mind, I think you go edge rusher here. I think they'll address quarterback in uh, another way, and I'll get to that in a second. But I think they go Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. I think they get their two premier pass rushers. They get these guys into the locker room. They set the immediate tone for that defensive line. And they get after the quarterback. And to have two premier edge rushers on rookie contracts creates a lot of surplus. I think they look to either trade for a Trey Lance with a day two pick or take a Hennon hooker or a DTR uh, later in the draft process. And I think those guys would be phenomenal to kind of be plug and play cheap quarterbacks especially when you consider it be a day two pick um that's that's definitely a direction to go um and that's where i kind of see houston uh progressing throughout this
0: draft. gotcha all right and cue the cue the alarm bells i'm glad we re-recorded for today because there's been a trade the, gr-
1: there the has green been. bay
0: packers actually i think you have the details uh here why don't you go ahead and uh read off the the trade details
1: so so, so the deal is finalized. Rogers is heading to New York. Uh, they're going to swap first round picks. So that means pick 15 goes to New York and the Packers get pick 13. They get a second this year, a sixth this year from New York. And then get this, the comp pick is a second next year that might turn into a first if Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps next year?
0: I think uh, I think the Packers robbed him blind with that one. Uh, I mean... I, I,
1: that that was highway robbery. I mean, that's like you're... This guy, uh, Jason Fitzgerald uh, with Over the Cap, has done a phenomenal job at breaking down of like how you're trading for a contract, not a player. And when Rodgers is talking about retirement, you don't even know if you're going to get two years out of this guy. And you're sending... A- two seconds and essence. which like which, which, right out and of the one gate. of them could like be this... a first
0: it, it's <sighs> crazy it's... yeah like you said the guy was talking about retiring before he uh entered his darkness uh therapy retreat and now they're willing to uh give a first for the guy if he plays 65 percent of the snaps this year so not e- he could play this year and then retire and you'd still owe the packers your first i think it's uh It's a high price for Rodgers' contract, as you were alluding to. But if the Jets can win their division and uh, make a push for a Super Bowl, I guess it'll be worth it. And so now the Packers at pick 13, you know, they could go O-line or wide receiver to help Jordan Love in this official new era of the Green Bay Packers. But the Packers don't really do the obvious thing when it comes to drafting in the first round. We know Rodgers complained about it for years. So I have them taking... Lucas Van Ness, the edge rusher from Iowa. He's a guy who might be a bit of a project at defensive end, but I think he can have a really high payoff. I mean, he's a great bull rusher. He uh, he rushes well from the inside as well as the outside. And uh, I think he can have a similar payoff to another guy that they took early in the first round in Rashawn Gary out of Michigan a couple years ago.
1: So I, I love the pick flukas van ness was here i think it'd be a great selection uh you're pairing him with Rashawn gary kenny clark uh, you have the pieces and that linebacker and secondary level that are pretty nice already on uh, the green bay side and and you have guys in christian watson and romeo dobbs who are coming along in year two in that matt lafleur system that being said i think you get a polished and arguably the best wide receiver in this draft class to give jordan love the best shot at at developing into the star that you want him to be and you go out and you get jackson smith and jigba out of ohio state and i think what he brings to the table what he brings in the slot uh is going to change how they operate in 11 personnel and at that point it's just grabbing a tight end on day two which there's going to be a lot of great options luke musgrave uh sam laporta uh there's there's options there that they can just really really hone in and, and build and be who they want to be, especially now that they have a second-day pick from the New York Jets.
0: Exactly. And so going on to pick 14, which is the New England Patriots, I believe you had Peter Skoronsky going a bit earlier, and this is where I have him end up falling. I mean, Skoronsky is just a Belichick player, right? Just versatile, uh, big, strong, can play tackle or guard, play anywhere at a high level. And uh, I think uh, with the struggles that the Patriots O-line had last year, I think they kind of need a guy who can play anywhere, but really hone in on one spot and be an enforcer there to protect Mac Jones or whatever quarterback they end up having. I know that there are some discussion that Mac Jones is being shopped. So maybe it's Trey Lance, maybe it's a rookie, but either way, they need somebody protecting him, and I have Skaronsky going there.
1: So I have New England taking a tackle as well. I have them taking Broderick Jones out of Georgia. Um, now, they they do it a pick before the Jets, and uh, I'm going to have the Jets taking a tackle as well, but they take this guy because it's exactly what Bill Belichick wants out of his, out of his uh, offensive line projects. Um, not projects, tackles. Ah, words are escaping me today, but... He fits what he wants when he's building the trenches from the inside out. Uh, He gets Cole Strange last year. He's going to get his right tackle this year. Uh, He's got Barmore on the interior defensive line. He's got Matt Judon on the outside. He's got a lot of good pieces, and I think this is where he goes in the first round as they they build around Mac Jones.
0: Hog mollies on the O-line and D-line. That's what what the Patriots like. And I have another hog molly going to – The New York Jets now at pick 15, the guy you just had going to the Patriots, uh, Broderick Jones, the tackle from Georgia. And he's just an absolute unit. I mean, he's just massive, super strong, uh, can take down any rusher. And Jets fans may get some flashbacks uh, to Makai Becton here because the two are similar in just their massive size, uh, strength, and stature. But I think Jones is a bit more effective as a blocker. And uh, hopefully he won't uh, be as, as misfortunate as Beckton was in terms of injuries uh the past couple of years for their jets but they need to protect rogers and they get a left tackle uh, that can step in and do it day one so
1: like i like i was saying with the pick before i think broderick jones will be the right tackle of the new england patriots and i think the right tackle for the new york jets this year will be darnell wright out of tennessee uh, one of the more physically gifted tackles. Um, he didn't have a lot of success on the left-hand side, but I think he can definitely lock down the right-hand side. From what I've seen the the offseason, Becton's lost a lot of weight. He's getting in shape. And if you have Becton, who's still relatively young, and you have uh, Darnell Wright, I think you have two stalwart guys that are going to keep Rodgers up in the pocket. Um, and they have Virgil Tucker kind of in the guard situation. And, and you're looking at a, a really complete offensive line potentially so now that we're we're out of the kind of the mid-round picks we're heading at the halfway point with the washington commanders at pick 16 who do you have them uh
0: i look at their roster and uh their roster is actually pretty good i think they could use an o-lineman but we just kind of had a run on guys go and i think they could use some some db's some corners And luckily, there's a guy sitting right there that they're going to take in Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State. He's a guy that's, uh, unfortunately, we didn't get him going uh, to Pittsburgh to to get another Joey Porter there. But uh, he's a guy that's uh, physical. He improved every year at Penn State. And uh, he can be a guy that can bring a physical presence and uh, be kind of another dog to a lackluster secondary room there in Washington.
1: So, at 16, commanders, like you said, they don't have a lot of holes. Um, I think they have some issues at tackle, but like you said, there's a run on tackles. So, they're going to go secondary. Now, you had this guy going at pick 12 to the Texans. I, I have the commanders taking him here at 16. And Washington is going to select Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. He's extremely fluid in coverage. I think he's very underrated, uh, and I think he'll be a lockdown cornerback at the next level after just a couple years kind of adapting to the speed of the game, uh, how to cover different guys, play a little bit more physical in the run game. Um, But I I think he's going to be able to take that next step. And now we have at 17 the Pittsburgh Steelers. Where do you see this pick going and why? Well,
0: I have them going a guy that you had going a couple picks earlier in Darnell Wright, the right tackle from he can play he can play a little left tackle, but I think he's a lot better on the right side. Uh the tackle from Tennessee. Um like you said, he's just a he's a good, strong tackle that had a really good year at Tennessee this season. And if you want to see what he can do, just look at the Alabama game. Big reason why they won was because he shut down Will Anderson. I mean, he he's just a a guy that can lock up a side, uh, like one side of the uh, the offensive line. And as Kenny Pickett is uh, continuing to grow and develop, I think uh, having a guy that can shut down one side will be helpful for him.
1: Yeah, you got to have a guy that's going to win their one-on-one matchups because sometimes that's what the game boils down to. And I think Wright brings that advantage advantage in Pittsburgh. I have a reunion of sorts. I know uh, you kind of kept it from happening with Washington taking Joey Porter, but uh, since the commanders took Christian Gonzalez, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers selecting Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State. And this kid... He plays the position the right way. He plays it with enough attitude. He plays it physically, and he backs it up with his production. He's a little handsy. Uh, He he definitely can improve. But I think from a culture aspect and what the Steelers are all about in terms of of making it a family, uh, Porter fits right on in here at pick 17.
0: And now we have the Detroit Lions again. Uh, They picked earlier. They picked at six in the first round. Now they pick at 18. And I have a guy that uh, I'm a little bit lower on, but I know he's uh, kind of a draft riser, and Kalijah Cansey, uh, the defensive tackle out of Pittsburgh. He uh, he's another guy just like Nolan Smith, just like Bryce Young, who's uh pretty. He's a bit on the small side, but uh, he's an incredible athlete. He shoots gaps quickly off the uh, the snap. He uh, he can get underneath linemen pretty well. He plays with a low pad level. And he, uh, he has violent hands, which is uh, something you need for a guy that's a bit smaller. And I had Detroit taking Tyree Wilson at pick six, and now I have them taking another defensive lineman so they can continue to build, build and make that defense a strong point for a team that was really all offense last year.
1: So Brad Holmes, the general manager of the Detroit Lions, He was with the Rams, and I I know this is kind of a weird thing to say, all things considered, but back when the Rams actually selected guys in the first (laughs) round, uh, two of their picks in the past uh, decade or so, you got Aaron Donald and Todd Gurley. And here on my mock, we still have B. John Robinson out of Texas, and we also have Kalijah Cansey out of Florida. I'm about to butcher some (laughs) of these guys' names, and they're going to find my address, and that's going to be it for me. But uh, so – here with Kansi, what I'm seeing here with Brad Holmes is they did their homework on Aaron Donald. They knew he was undersized coming out of Pittsburgh. Uh, I will say Cancy's arms are a little bit smaller than Aaron Donald, so there's a little bit to worry about there. But that same explosion and burst is there, and it's on tape, and it's on film. And it's like if you can get this guy to where he can not get stacked by offensive linemen, he, he, he can get to the quarterback um, and still be an impactful player in the run game – this is the guy you take. Uh, this is who's going to pair greatly with Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I think it's a great addition and who Detroit looks uh, to take at 18.
0: Yeah, those uh, those Aaron Donald comparisons are never going to stop with uh, both being Pittsburgh and both being undersized. So hopefully Kansy can play just like him. And so we're on to Tampa Bay, and their reign is finally over. As long as Brady... Brady's as, gone. As long as he stays gone. He's done this before. But... As of now, he's not with the team. And uh, with that in mind, I think uh, I think it's fair to say that they're rebuilding a little bit. Um, they didn't really like sufficiently address the QB position in free agency. And so I think that uh, what they're going to end up doing is keeping their defensive line as deadly as it has been the past couple years. And I'm going to have them taking Miles Murphy, the defensive end out of Clemson, and doing that. He's a guy that's kind of like Trayvon Walker who went first overall last year, a guy who's just an incredible athlete, but just needs a bit of refinement. Like right now, I think, uh, I think Murphy's bull rush is probably the best thing he has working for him. But, uh, if he can kind of, if he can kind of sit there and marinate and grow for a year while Tampa Bay is kind of retooling and, uh, getting into gear for a QB, maybe a next year's draft. I think that's going to be a good spot for him to, uh, develop a bit while, uh, while Tampa Bay isn't really necessarily focused on winning at all this year.
1: I I think that's a, a good pick. Uh, it's a good project. Uh, when you have guys like Shaquille Barrett and Vita Vey on that defensive line, um, those guys, they're, they're good in the run. Uh, they're good at what they do. I think you got to add some burst, a little bit of juice. And I, I missed that from Miles Murphy Tate. He's not he's not super creative. Um, He he needs a lot of work with his hands. Uh, He needs to work inside a bit more. And this is where I have Felix and Aduke Duque Yuzama out of Kansas State heading to Tampa Bay. I think he adds that burst. I think he fits really well on that defensive line. And that, that is who the Buccaneers take. Um, I don't think this year is going to be good. I think Todd Bowles, this is his last year. But I think this is a great addition to that defense. Yeah,
0: him and Murphy are like neck and neck for me. And I think either pick would be uh, pretty good for him. And so now another team who has their second first round pick in Seattle is on the clock. And uh, this is where I think the wide receiver run will finally begin. Uh, this class isn't really as strong as it has been in years past at wide receiver in the first round. But I think there's a couple guys that can be productive early on for teams. And so the Seahawks here are the beneficiary of a wide receiver that a lot of people think is the best in the class in Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State. He only played in the slot there, and uh, there's questions as as to if he can do that on the outside. And going to Seattle, he can play in just the slot right now because they have – Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, and he can continue to grow there and maybe kick outside once uh, Lockett or Metcalf move on or lose a step uh, as they get older.
1: I think that's a great addition. Uh, Unfortunately, Jackson is well gone. Uh, He is with the Green Bay Packers. So I have Pete Carroll and John Snyder picking up the project that you sent the Tampa Bay uh, and that's that's Miles Murphy, and I, I I don't want to discredit this guy. When we look at his physical toolbox, and and who he is as a prospect, he checks off a lot of boxes. My issue is is when you turn on the film and you're watching him snap after snap, and it, it, this is where it's like, okay, is this coaching? Is this the player? It's just he had the bull rush, and sometimes he'd be able to push the tackle into the quarterback, be disruptive, be the guy that we want him to be at the next level. But there'd be a lot of times the tackle would just lock him up if he couldn't get around him or push him. And so that's where I want to see him work inside, use his hands more. Let's let's see some of that power, but with balance and touch. And so I think Seattle, uh, after grabbing Jalen Carter, has time to develop this guy uh, with the defensive pieces they already have. So I think this is a great pick, uh, which then leads into the Chargers pick. Who do you you have them? Are they adding somebody around Justin Herbert, or are we adding another defensive
0: I think the Chargers fans are going to lose it if they don't draft a a weapon for Justin Herbert. So here I have them taking – probably the most athletic of the top tight end talent in Dalton Kincaid. He's a guy who has a uh, good speed. He, he's basically a, a receiver. He can separate. He has good uh, yard after the catch ability. And uh, he's just overall, he's a good athlete. I think uh, if they want to play him in line, he'll have to improve as a blocker. And he does have his fair share of drops, but uh, uh, drops are coachable. You just stand behind a jugs machine after practice. And I think that, uh, pairing that with the receivers they already have there in LA will be good. Uh, be a good safety net for Justin Herbert as he continues to grow and progress.
1: I, I think that's a great selection. Um, a lot of the chargers off season moves this past year has me kind of scratching yeah. my head. Um, it's, I don't know why Brandon Staley's still in the building, especially when you had a Sean Payton available, um, I don't know why uh, they they choose to keep the wide receiver room the way it is. Uh, they could have maybe tried to to get Keenan Allen off the books potentially and bring in another younger, faster wide receiver. Um, I don't see him going wide receiver here. A lot of their um, profiles, uh, Arjun Menon's kind of gone over this on Twitter, are guys that are going to go in the second, third round like a Mingo. Um, and so when you when you kind of look at that fit, they may go that route on their day two pick. But here, if they stay here, I think based on the talent, based on what you saw Kellen Moore do with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard with that kind of one two punch in Dallas, I think Tom Tolusco goes Bijan Robinson, taking the best player available. A stud out of Texas, he will be kind of your three-down back, allowing Eckler to be more that pass catcher and not get banged up so much this year. He's had a lot of touches the past couple of years, and so kind of alleviating that so he can do what he's best at, I think, is smart uh, for the Chargers. Even though I, I don't know if taking a running back at pick twenty-one is uh, all that uh, smart. In this I mean, day and age. I
0: think it's a steal just based on Bijan's talent. Bijan's different, right? Like it's, this isn't a, a classic running back pick, but I really like that. Uh, the bijan Eckler one-two punch there. In, uh, and it's a weapon for Herbert. So Chargers fans can't get mad because Bijan can catch two. And so on to pick uh, so, 22, unless you had something. Who's going to Baltimore?
1: No, that's I was. I want to get in the pick 22. Who do you got going to the Ravens? I
0: think uh, the two positions the Ravens need are either receiver or corner. And uh, I'm not really high on a lot of the receivers in this class uh like you said a lot of them profile to be second and third round picks and so i have them taking the best corner available in deontay banks out of maryland uh, banks is another guy with a ras score of 10.0 which means he's the most athletic corner ever uh he's another elite corner uh he's got a similar profile uh to marshawn Lattimore, physical profile that is back in 2017 and, man, he is a bully at the line of scrimmage. You know, college receivers don't really deal with a lot of press coverage, but Banks will press you. He'll uh, he'll stand there and punch the receivers at the line of scrimmage and just look at them as they're trying to figure out what to do. He's physical, he's a dog, and he's athletic enough to stay with his receiver. And I think that's a good spot uh, for the Ravens to get him at 22.
1: I think Deontay banks checks off a lot of boxes. Like he said, he plays physical, I think kind of like Joey Porter and even Devin Witherspoon a little bit, they get a little bit handsy and that's something that you got to be careful of in the NFL at the next level. If you're going to be handsy, you got to be sneaky about it like sauce Gardner or refs are going to call it. So it's, you got to be good at it or you just got to play, play better without, without your hands. Um, Moving on. From the ravens we have the vikings and minnesota's got a lot of holes uh they weren't really the 13 and 4 team that their record indicated last year uh what what are they filling in right now are they they going defense are they going secondary uh do they add a second wide receiver with adam thielen gone uh who do you have them they do in? add
0: a second wide receiver with adam thielen gone uh as you alluded to adam thielen is now a panther and so they need another receiver. Uh, they, they just need one. Jefferson's great. But I think they're going to go with a guy who, this is reflected in uh, betting odds, is the, the odds on favor to go there, and Quentin Johnston. Uh, he's probably the most athletic guy of the top receiver prospects. He's, uh, he can stretch the field. He's got great speed. He runs good routes. But uh, he's kind of fallen out of uh, draft Twitter's favor this cycle because he doesn't catch with his hands. That's kind of the big, uh, the big draw. That's, a yeah, big that's kind no of no. the big thing about him. Uh, if he can learn to catch with his hands, I mean, the sky's the limit for him. He can be kind of like a T. Higgins, but that's uh, that's something he has to work on. But something, somebody like that right now would be a perfect number two guy while Justin Jefferson uh, draws all the attention to him.
1: I, I think it's a perfect fit. Uh, I think if he goes almost... Anywhere else, uh, there's like three to four teams I think he'd be great in, and that's one of them. So I have Minnesota taking Quentin Jefferson as well. Uh, Johnson, not Jefferson. Uh, he will be playing with Justin Jefferson. Um, so moving on, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I have them taking a corner. Uh, we both have them taking this guy, Emmanuel Forbes, out of Mississippi State. Um, like what What makes him the selection here over a guy like Brian Branch?
0: Well, Forbes is yet another – of the uh smaller size high traits and production guys in this year's draft class uh i think he measured in at 166 or 168 uh pounds at the combine which is tiny it's like (laughs) it's like 30 or 40 pounds lighter than us but uh he has incredible production uh and just looking at his pick sixes i believe he had six or seven pick sixes in the sec during his career which is just insane you barely see one or two pick sixes let alone six or seven. So he's got eyes for the ball. And when he gets it in his hands, he can take it to the house and alluding to the weight concerns. He played against some physical sec players week in and week out. So even if he can't add like notable weight to his frame, I think he can uh, survive in the NFL because he played against the best competition in college.
1: Hey, you love to see it. Uh, I think it's a great pick for Jacksonville. And so now we're heading to New York up the East coast and Ryan Dable, uh, they make it to the playoffs first year. They extend uh, Daniel Jones to a massive contract, franchise tag, Saquon. Are we adding weapons around the quarterback you just invested in? And we both have them taking uh, your wide receiver one in this draft class. And that's Jordan Addison out of USC. You want to kind of break down what they're getting? I mean,
0: yeah, I think Addison, like like you said, is my wide receiver one. I think he's the best overall route runner in this class. Uh, JSN from Ohio State is probably better from the slot, but Addison can play across the field. I think he uh, I think he separates from corners and defenders similarly to Chris Olave, who came out last year. He's really silky and smooth in his routes, and the biggest thing I like about him is that he produced at two different programs. I mean, he made Kenny Pickett a uh, Heisman finalist, and Having that kind of production at two different places isn't really something you see in college.
1: He gives off big Brandon Cook vibes, and I think that's uh, great and exactly what the Giants need there. So moving on to Dallas, again, uh, unlike the first 10 picks or so, uh, we actually have a lot of similarities here at the end of the draft. We both have Dallas taking the best tight end prospect out of Notre Dame in Michael Mayer. And what makes him the complete package? Because from a speed standpoint, he's he's one of the slower tight ends. Uh, he's not necessarily the best receiving threat. You had Kincaid going to the Chargers earlier. Uh, what makes Maher Like you said,
0: he's not the, the fastest guy, but he's the most complete tight end, in my opinion. Most complete tight end that we've seen in some time. I mean, excellent blocker. He runs good routes. He has solid hands. I think through three years, he only had two drops, which is uh, pretty good. He has excellent production. He started as a true freshman at Notre Dame, which not a lot of people do. And he's just a overall really good football player. I mean, he knows how to dodge hits. He can he can contort his body like smaller wide receivers to bring in catches. I mean, he's the total package. He's just not the uh, the freak athlete that uh, Luke Musgrave or uh, a Dalton Kincaid or even a Kyle Pitts was a couple of years ago. But in my opinion, he's the best all-around tight end that uh, – we're going to see until maybe next year in Brock Bowers, but that's next year.
1: Very true. One year at a time. So moving on to Buffalo, I couldn't agree more with what you said about Mayor. I have the Bills taking Zay Flowers, who is my wide receiver one. I think he's going to be the best wide receiver in this draft draft class. Adds immediate juice to the offense. Um, The thing is, is the guy plays bigger than he measures is in at. I mean, the guy's under six foot, he's under 200 pounds and he's out there winning contested jump balls. Like, like a guy you brought up earlier, T Higgins, like a guy like Quentin Johnston should be making, um, and he's making these catches, he's running great routes and he played with an awful quarterback at Boston college. And you plug him in here with Josh Allen playing next to Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox. I think he tears it up. I think he's going to be a rookie of the year candidate.
0: I think that's a good pick. Uh, yeah flowers is my favorite receiver in this class uh but i went in a different direction i think that the bills are going to try to keep that super bowl window open as long as possible and if you look at that uh that playoff game in which they they lost to end their season josh allen was just getting decimated by the bengals so i have them yeah i have them adding to the o-line here with anton harrison he's a tackle out of oklahoma It's a little bit rich here for me, but I think he can play both left and right tackle and he can kick inside uh, if they need him to. I know the Bills were dealing with some O-line injuries towards the end of the year. So versatility always helps. Like I said, this is a little rich for me, but uh, offensive line is a need for the Bills. And Josh Allen recently said he wants to be a QB first and a football player second. That means taking uh, fewer hits, and this is one way to do that.
1: So this this next pick and i think that's a great pick for buffalo they do need to kind of rebuild that o-line keep their quarterback of the future protected i think cincinnati takes that approach but they don't take anton harrison out of oklahoma i think they look in state at ohio state pro uh product that's not a pro- product uh, i'm acting like these uh players are <laughs> items or something prospects prospects okay so when you look at these prospects, a guy that plays at Ohio State that we haven't talked about, hasn't been really much in the news in terms of tackles is DeWan Jones. I think he would be phenomenal playing on the opposite side to Orlando Brown. Uh, you try to rebuild that O-line. Your attempt last year didn't work too well uh, with Jonah Williams and Lyle Collins. I think having Orlando Brown Having Dewan Jones, you're really going to allow Joe Burrow to go through his reads, feel protected, feel comfortable in that pocket. And that's exactly what you need, especially if you want to keep making these deep playoff runs. And yeah,
0: with Dewan Jones, you're getting shades of Trent Brown there. Just absolutely massive human being. I think he was six foot eight, close to three hundred and seventy pounds, I believe. It's around where his measurements were. Just absolutely massive. If he gets his hands on you. It doesn't matter if you're prime J.J. Watt. You're not getting past him. It's just he needs to learn to play a little bit quicker. But I think uh, I think him going there and slotting in on the right side is a good spot for him. I went in a different direction. I think uh, they still need to add to that secondary. You know, they lost both safeties. Uh, I, I don't they think did. they replaced Eli Apple. Uh, so I have them going with another corner. I believe this is my sixth corner that's gone so far. And D.J. Turner out of Michigan. This is a guy that ran the fastest 40 and had the fastest 20-yard split at the combine. So he's a speedster that can stay with anybody, and he has the vision combined with that speed to allow him to cover large zones or to stay with any receiver that uh, is unlucky enough to get matched up against him. All right, and following the Bengals who selected a Michigan player, I have another Michigan defensive player going to the New Orleans Saints, our NFC NFC South rivals, and Mozzie Smith, he's a defensive tackle out of Michigan. He's just a f- athletic freak. I know uh, subscribers to The Athletic will know that he was number one on Bruce Feldman's freaks list, which is just a list of athletic freaks at the college football level. Uh, he's a guy that can play the run really well. He's going to take up space as a pass rusher right now. But I think he's explosive and strong enough so that he has the ability to further his uh his pass rush game and eventually be a guy that can uh win his one-on-ones and get to the qb and he's kind of something of a need with uh the saints losing quite a few people on that defensive line in free agency plus their their defense is just kind of getting old so they need somebody that is it is i the interesting thing about the
1: saints i have them going interior defensive line as well um mozzie smith I do have getting drafted in the first round, but it's not to the New Orleans Saints. I have him going to, with a more polished guy, um, a guy that I think is just going to be plug and play, immediate uh, starter uh, in Brian Breezy. And I think that is a much needed position, like you were saying, for the Saints. They just watched Tuttle Lee for Carolina, Davenport for Minnesota, on Yamada to Atlanta. Uh, and like you said, they aren't getting any younger. Cameron Jordan's in his 30s. Uh, so this is uh, definitely where they need to go. Now, out of curiosity, do you know how many times Pick 29 has traded hands before dra- Before the draft?
0: It, I believe it's four. Four times four is times. correct.
1: And it started with San Francisco. When they traded for Trey Lance, they sent it to Miami. Miami last year for Bradley Chubb sent it to Denver. And then Denver for Sean Payton sent it to New Orleans, so that's where it is. We do know uh, that Mickey Loomis loves trading on draft nights, so he may not even stay there. It may change hands for a fifth time.
0: Uh, that's got to be a record.
1: Oh, that it's it for the first round, especially. I'm sure it's up yeah. there. So with that, we have uh, the Eagles. Who do you have the Eagles taking? You had them taking. Uh, Edge roster first, right? And Nolan Smith?
0: Yes, that's correct. And I have them going with another defensive player here at 30. Uh, Like you alluded to earlier, they lost both of their starting safeties in Marcus Epps and uh, Gardner Johnson. So I have them replacing that with the best safety prospect, hybrid DB prospect in the class. That's Brian Branch out of Alabama. He's a guy that's just, he can play any position along the backfield. Uh, He's in the right place at the right time, and he's super disruptive. Uh, I know anybody who's watched that Kansas State bowl game this past year knows that he can get into the backfield and create uh, some tackles for loss and some pressure on the quarterback. I think he needs to clean up a little bit uh, in terms of being grabby and getting timely penalties at the end of games, but I think he has a chance to be really impactful and kind of play across the back end early for the Eagles this season.
1: I think that's a great pick. Uh, I had him going Devin Witherspoon at pick 10, so I'm actually going to have him going interior defensive line and a guy that you just had going to the Saints and Mozzie Smith. I think when you see that Hargrave kind of left in free agency, um, you see some of the secondary pieces that left. These first two picks could be very pivotal and not only replenishing what you just lost, but getting better at those positions. I think what Mozzie Smith provides along with Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick, Jordan Davis is just like you were alluding to with the, uh, the athletic is that these are some of the most disruptive, explosive players at their positions. And it just makes for a fearsome defensive line. So I definitely think that's where they're going to head. If Mozzie Smith's available at pick 30, and now we have the reigning Super Bowl champions, who do you have them taking? Are they getting a weapon for Patrick Mahomes or pass protection?
0: I think that uh, they will be getting a weapon for Mahomes. And you had this guy going a bit earlier to one of our league's better QBs. So I have him going here to our league's best QB. That's Zay Flowers. He's my favorite receiver in the class. And uh, like, like we talked about earlier, he just catches everything. It doesn't matter if uh, you throw it right to his hands, if you throw it to the DB, if you throw it 10 yards ahead of him, he's going to get it. That's just what he does. He is on the smaller side, but uh, he had incredible production this season at boston college and i think he's a guy that can uh really kind of develop a rapport with mahomes which he's already done by the way he took a top 30 visit to the chiefs and reportedly threw with mahomes i didn't know you could uh work out with current players but hey seems like mahomes already has his uh his receiver from this class and we just don't know it yet
1: that's very true. Uh, Zay Flowers, I've already talked about him with the Buffalo segment. I, I think he's uh, the best wide receiver out of this draft class. And it's funny, our uh, Bills and Chiefs picks are reciprocals of each other because I have the Chiefs um, grabbing their right tackle of the future and Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma. They lost Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley this offseason. They signed Juwan Taylor. Um, and this is where I think they replace the right tackle, maybe look to grab a tight end, grab a wide receiver on day two. So uh, with that, we're, we're, we're all wrapped up with the first round. Uh, personally, I didn't have any interior offensive line, linebackers or safeties going in the first round, but we'll see what actually plays out on Thursday. Five teams in the NFL do not have a first this year. We have the Rams, Dolphins, Broncos, Browns, and 49ers all on the outside looking in. Where do you think these teams head with their first pick in the 2023 draft? And where does that pick fall?
0: so the first team that's up will be the rams and their first pick is currently at 36 again they could they could trade up they could trade back we don't know but right now it's at 36 and they have a ton of needs the rams and so i think that they're just going to take somebody to fill in in the trenches and that's Keon white out of georgia tech he's a guy who can play edge maybe three tech five tech he's kind of his uh like his bag is kind of raw right now But he's strong and he has the strength to run through offensive linemen if he gets the space. And then next is Miami at 51. I think uh, there's a guy sitting there around around that spot on my board that's going to replace a guy that they just lost in Luke Musgrave, the athletic tight end from Oregon State. I think he can step in and uh, fill kind of the Gasecki role instantly and maybe be even a bit better with uh, his speed and explosiveness and add to that Miami speed offense that they love.
1: I definitely think that's a perfect fit, and uh, will definitely make that offense even more explosive, which is scary to think about with Mike McDaniel as kind of the mastermind behind
0: it. Oh, for sure. And then the next pick will be 67. That would be Denver's first pick. And uh, they lost Draymond Jones and Bradley Chubb this past year. So I have them adding an edge rusher from Auburn and Derek Hall, who has a pretty good speed to power rush and violent hands. I think he can contribute pretty early for the Broncos this year.
1: Perfect. Uh, so who does Cleveland take and wh- where are they picking?
0: Cleveland's at 74. And uh, their defense, while it's pretty good on paper, was actually one of the worst in the league for a stretch last year, particularly against the run. And I think at that, uh, pick 74, there's a guy sitting there in DeMarvian Overshawn from Texas. He's a thumper at linebacker who can kind of help shore up that poor run defense pretty early for the Browns. And then the last of the teams with no first round pick is the 49ers. And their first pick is at 99. which is pretty late. <sighs> that's, that's, that's past the third round. That's a comp pick, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, they gave up the second and third picks uh, to the Panthers for McCaffrey, but they, they end up picking here at 99 and, uh, at 99, you just kind of gotta take what's best available. And I think that they can get a guy in Wanya Morris, who was Oklahoma's right tackle this past year. I think he's a, an O lineman with some versatility. He he had another pretty high raw score, and I think he can step in at right tackle and uh, be pick up where McGlinche, Mike McGlinchy left off when he left for the I believe the Broncos in free agency.
1: Fantastic. Awesome. Well, that, that, that about wraps up episode one of the pick is in, uh, next week, we'll dive into our reactions to the NFL draft, talk about consensus boards, mock drafts, see who are some of the biggest risers and fallers. And we'll have to actually see how it all plays out on Thursday night. You guys can catch both of us at bank of America stadium. When the Panthers select their quarterback with the first overall pick, you can find both of us at Twitter. You can find Jacob at Jacob Laquire, and you can find myself at patent Analytics. Uh, Thank you for tuning in and we will catch you guys next week.